here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Rob McCarran here. ShakeThemRopes.com, VoicesOfWrestling.com. It is a Shake Them Ropes extra and basically all that is is that it's an extra episode and we have a lot of WWE as well as non-WWE stuff that we're going to talk about on this show. Uh, a lot going on on this episode. We are going to have Jeff Jarrett joining us. Jeff Jarrett is going to talk a little bit about Global Force Wrestling, New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom 9 coming up this weekend, and uh, some other things as well. We're also going to have Jeff Hawkins, the regular co-host of Shake Them Ropes, join us to talk about this Monday's WWE Raw, the chaos that it was. And we're going to be joined by Dylan Hales, a popular guest here on Shake Them Ropes. Dylan Hales will talk about all the best matches of 2014. We're going to talk about the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year poll over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. We're going to talk about that with Dylan Hales. Uh, we do, just for the record, up at ShakeThemRopes.com, have a 10-minute bonus clip of a conversation I had with Dylan Hales talking about the WWE MVP, a little fallout from the last episode of Shake Them Ropes, the 2014 awards. So go to ShakeThemRopes.com. We have it in video as well as audio form. And I wanted to make mention of the video that we've started doing. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube.com and search for Shake Them Ropes, we have a few videos up there, some video versions of our latest episodes, as well as that clip of my conversation with Dylan Hales, as well as this episode right here. It'll be up on video as well as we test out some different things we can do with video here in 2015. So uh, you'll have the audio option as well as the video option, and sometimes there will be some bonus videos up there uh, as they uh, basically come along. So some new stuff going on that we're trying out. Uh, a little quick note on the scheduling of shake them ropes, shake them ropes, the WWE podcast, the podcast Jeff and I have been doing since February. Uh, will we're going to do our best to make sure that we keep those episodes on Tuesdays and that we release them at a regular time. So there doesn't have to be, you know, situations where there's a surprise, whether it's early or whether it's late. Uh, we want you guys to know when the episodes are going to come out so that it can be consistent. So we're going to aim for Tuesday evenings, uh, as they usually are, but we're going to try to make that a regular thing every week, as well as we're still going to plan on doing post-pay-per-view shows, post-NXT special shows, but we're also going to start trying episodes like this, uh, Shake Them Ropes Extra, which is going to be uh, no time limit, uh, not to say we're going to go two or three hours or anything like that, but there's no set time that we're trying to stick to. Uh, we're also going to be able to talk a little bit more of the non-WWE stuff, so if you're a WWE fan, and I, I mean, I am Jeff is most of you listening are, I think probably all of you listening are in at least some form, a WWE fan, 
But the Tuesday shows will still be almost all WWE. The Shake Them Ropes extras like this, if we have interview guests we want to get to, if we have you know breaking news we want to get to or anything else, uh, the Shake Them Ropes extra will be for that. So it's not going to be confined just to WWE. Like today, we're going to talk about New Japan Global Force. And we're going to talk about matches of the year from a lot of different situations, from a lot of different promotions across the world. And that's what Shake Them Ropes Extra is going to be. Uh, probably one, maybe two per month. And we're going to try to release those uh, probably on Thursdays, but really whatever time works best, that's when we're going to release it. Um, so it really is just one of those situations where we'll see what's happening and if we want to talk about any of it on the uh, show. So we're not going to clog up your podcast feed or anything. Believe me, we're we're not planning on so many more shows. We're not going to try to bog you all down in uh, in podcasting, but... Uh, we, I, sometimes I like to talk about some different things in wrestling and I want this to be an outlet for it. I consider doing a, an entirely separate podcast feed completely separate from shake them ropes. Um, because we're not going to do it that often. I thought it would just be better on the shake them ropes feed. So once maybe twice per month, we'll break into some of the non WWE stuff, but the Tuesday shows will still be all WWE, at least for the most part, all WWE. Shake Them Ropes Extra, one, maybe two a month. And then we'll have the big shows uh, go live at shakethemropes.com with our post-pay-per-view, post-NXT special shows. So some fun stuff. If you have comments on any of that or if you have comments on the show, I encourage you to get with us at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter, as well as uh, you can leave comments on our YouTube channel now. You can leave comments at Voices of Wrestling on the forums a lot of different ways where you can get your input in here. We've talked about how we have the phone line set up, talked about how we have email set up, uh, all the information at shakethemropes.com. Uh, you can go there and figure out how to interact with the show. We hopefully encourage you to do so. Uh, we would love more voices to be included on this show. So uh, there's definitely some options there for you. But we do have Jeff Hawkins coming up, Dylan Hales coming up. But we start this special edition of Shake Them Ropes only a couple of days until Wrestle Kingdom 9, the annual Tokyo Dome show for New Japan Pro Wrestling. We are going to talk about the presenter of that pay-per-view here in the United States, former WWE superstar Jeff Jarrett. We're going to be right back with Jeff Jarrett here on Shake Them Ropes. Welcome back, everybody. And we are joined now by a uh, very special guest who's got a busy week, <laughs> rest of the week ahead of him, uh, the founder, president, CEO of Global Force Wrestling, Jeff Jarrett is on the line. Jeff, how are you today, and uh, how are your preparations going for the big weekend? Oh, uh, they're going well. Appreciate you having me on, Rob, and uh, let's shake them ropes. No, it's uh, it's good. A lot of prep going into this. You know, we're sort of in the, the I guess you'll say we're in the, the back stretch. We're in the, I mean, the final stretch. We, uh, a lot of preparation has gone into uh, Sunday, and um, we're very excited about everything, the response, the buzz, the feedback. Um, just everything going on. We are really, really blessed and excited to be headed into this event. Now, before we get too far into the global force, uh, I want to mention, uh, this is a pretty special occasion for me too, because in 1997, my first exposure to WWF was your return segment on raw in October. So I can literally and honestly say that you, Jeff Jarrett got me into pro wrestling. I don't know whether to thank you or to, uh, be upset. <laughs> I put a curse on you. <laughs> right. But uh, I, I mentioned that specifically because now with, with Global Force and presenting New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 9, 
you're in the position again, like you were with TNA, you're going to bring a whole new fan base into this pro wrestling company and maybe pro wrestling in general. Uh, do you ever stop and think about the responsibility that you've had with bringing fans into pro wrestling? I believe I'm just very blessed and lucky and, and, um, you know, it, it, it goes without saying, um, I was born into this business and very thankful that I was. My grandmother back in the 40s got into this business literally as a second job. Um, they, she started selling tickets on the, you know, that was her side job. She needed to make extra money. And so that's how she got the Jared family in the business. And, and here we are three generations later and, you know, uh, blessed and honored and, and, and super excited. You know, you talk about uh, pre presenting a brand new product to the North American fan base, you know, uh, the, the, the quote unquote hardcore fans have known about, known about new Japan for years, mm -hmm. but even guys in the industry who've never had a chance over the years to go to Japan and be exposed to it. It is exciting. And, and not just now with the, with the great technology specifically of the flips app, uh, bringing new Japan pro wrestling to an entire different audience on a global scale. Um, talking to my different partners around the world and different fan bases and, of course, Twitter and Facebook and online chatter, there's people literally excited all over the world that, that are going to get an opportunity to see a show of this magnitude, you know, in the dome and, you know, they're on their own pace. Now it's it, they're, they're, they're saying they could hit 60,000 fans. It, you know, it started at 30 or 40, and then, you know, I think the pre-sale – got them over 35,000 and then they started tracking the years and come. And so it, it could be over 50 or 60,000 fans and, 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 and that's just live, but around the world. Yes, it's exciting. I, I definitely have some questions about this flips app because I feel that this is one of those uh, parts of this story. That's not being talked about maybe as much as it should have. Uh, Cause the flips is a pretty huge deal to me. Uh, but before we get into that, as far as starting up a promotion now here with global force and, and introducing new Japan, uh, when you had founded TNA, you brought a, a lot of pro wrestlers, especially AJ Styles, who was working this New Japan show. Uh, you brought him to the forefront, uh, kind of like now. Hardcore fans knew about AJ Styles, but you were able to put someone like that on national television and get them to the masses who weren't actively seeking pro wrestling. Uh, who do you think are going to be the stars coming out of this New Japan show that maybe five years from now, American fans are just so familiar with and want to actively seek out? Wow. Um, I'll, I'll split this question up into two. As far as the, the Japanese talent, Tanahashi is, is a household name in Japan. He's the main event. He, he's the rock star. And, you know, he, he's in the prime of his career. So I believe people are going to immediately be drawn to his charisma and, 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 and just his magnetic personality. Uh, his opponent, Okada, almost 10 years younger, who was briefly exposed here in the States on TNA, but went back home and, and had really honed his craft through Mexico, all around the world. Those are the top two names. But then there is, there are so many unique personalities that, that when I say there's a little bit, a little bit of something for every wrestling fan on this show, it, it really is the truth. I mean, you're going to see Sakuraba, Nakamura, uh, different names, and people will gravitate you know, they'll say, oh, that, that guy wrestles like whoever their favorite may be, Stone Cold, The Rock, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, you know, whatever the wrestling fan, uh, I'll call it the North American wrestling fan, whatever their fan favorites or, or villains that they hated over the years, you will be able to very, really easily translate it to the Japanese wrestlers. And then as far as the, the American wrestlers, Kenny Omega, 
um, is is set to, to take off like a rocket. Um, you know, a lot of people know of the Young Bucks. Uh, they had a brief stint in TNA, but those guys are so so good. Um, you know, they're 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 going to be exposed to a whole new audience uh, through this pay per view. Um, so you're talking a three to five year timeline. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. Uh, it goes without saying, AJ Styles is right up there. Doc and Carl, the tag champs, they they're somewhat of a throwback, but got such a new vibe and uh, uh, you know they're, they're the Bullet Club about it's real. Uh, it, it really is real with those guys. So there is again, not to be repetitive, there is a little bit something for everybody on this card. And if you're a Jeff Jarrett fan, you'll get to see uh, Jeff Jarrett wrestle on this show. Also, uh, you you of course a member of the Bullet Club are in a, a six man on this show. It, how is that? Because uh, I, I know you've promoted shows before and then wrestled on that show, but has there any has there been anything to this scale, and especially the fact that you have to go across the world, uh, you know, in the days leading up to this? Uh, what is that like for you working this show as both the executive producer and wrestling on it in Japan? I mean, hype! Super, super, super excited. You know, the last probably three years, I've I've done more things on a larger scale. On an international basis, down in AAA with Triple Mania and Mexico and all the big shows down there with my wife, Karen. And then <clears throat> to get the opportunity, and this goes back to April of this year when Global Force uh, and, and New Japan sat down at a table and said, all right, how can we work together? How, you know, They wanted to know how can we bring New Japan to the North American uh, fan base. The Dome show was very obvious. So me wrestling on this show was not even discussed until six, seven, eight weeks ago. Um, and so I always keep myself in shape and, 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 but you know, this calendar year of 2014, I've really focused a lot more on, on, on the business side of things. But when they said there's going to be an opportunity, we'd like for you to, to, to wrestle on the bullet club and, and just how hot the vibe was, I mean, I, how can you turn that down? And yeah, I'm super excited. I have, I have hit my yoga, my, my the weights, <laughs> the cardio, the last six, eight weeks I have, uh, I haven't missed, uh, you know, I, I, met, I take Sundays off most of the time, but I've really, really focused on training. So, um, you know, Kojima and Tenzin are, are two guys, and that, that's two of the three opponents. And Homa is another guy who, who who's really come into his own in 2014. But he's been around a while as well. Um, but, but Kojima and Tenzin are two guys that, and I've said this story a couple of times doing interviews. Scott Steiner has is, is been one of my best friends in this business since the day, since the year I got in. Um, and, and, and he was very, very, him and his brother were red hot tag team, um, almost back in the glory days of new Japan in the nineties when dome shows and it was really, really hot Muda and Chono and, and so anyway, two of the, his best opponents were Kojima and Tenzin. And now here it is in 2014 going into 15 and I get the opportunity to wrestle those guys. You know, I, I don't think I know the North American fan base doesn't really realize just what megastars uh, those two guys are. I mean, former IWGP, uh, IWGP uh, heavyweight champion uh, as well as tag champ. So it's 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 an honor. At what point will you actually get into wrestling mode? Is it going to be you know minutes before your match where you're you're not thinking so much of the large scale of this and how uh, the show is coming across, but go into wrestling mode? When, when does that happen? Well, um, and, and again, we'll go back to the beginning of my conversation. I've, I've, I've been around this business. So my, you know, when I first got in, my first jobs were, 
you know, selling tickets and merchandise and concession stands, yeah. poster in a town. And then, you know, my, by the time I got lucky enough to step into the ring, it was like the fourth or fifth or sixth job. Yeah. So I've always had to wear multiple hats. Um, but but to tell you when did I get in wrestling mode is it's been about six or eight weeks ago when they called me and said, um, you know, here's the match. Uh, will you accept the offer? I, I got into mode right then. <laughs> you can you can ask my wife and kids. I got into that mode uh, way back, and so I'm laser focused on on multiple things. The last, you know, we originally um, had, had had charted out my press week, and, and Jr. has continued to do tons and tons and tons, and we can get into that in a little while. But uh, you know, my my original press was going to be anywhere from three, maybe uh, three, and maybe at a fourth day. I believe I'm going on day nine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it 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 is, and thanks to you guys that are that are doing this, and and you know this is a whole new way to promote a pay per view. We don't have a national cable television outlet, but but thank God for the you know online community and just how broad and depth deep it really really is, and 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 the buzz and. I'm doing uh, ESPN Chicago radio uh, radio later on today. It's just been one of those things that it's one been one thing after another as far as press. Now, don't take this the wrong way because I am a Zach Mettenberger fan. Uh, is it a <laughs> is it a blessing that the Titans did not have a very good run, so you wouldn't be missing a playoff game this weekend? It, well, selfishly, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, but but wow, what a disastrous season! <laughs> uh, it didn't go well. No, I, I, you, that's the understatement of this podcast. But anyhow, uh, I'm a Titans fan through and through. You got to be there on the lean days, and mm-hmm. and you know it, it is what it is. Um, Wizen Hunt getting his system in there. We've had some bad breaks, um, bad bad drafts. It's that simple. You, if you don't uh, build build your base, you, you're not going to be there. So um, we'll see what happens next year. It, it'll come for him. Uh, one of the final things I wanted to get into was this Flips app. Uh, and how it's basically available, this show, uh, the Jim Ross and Mike, Matt Stryker call of Global Force Wrestling and Wrestle Kingdom 9 will be available pretty much worldwide. Uh, how huge is that for this show? Because when I first heard about the Flips app, I was excited and considering purchasing on that app because I have a, uh, I have an Apple TV. Uh, I, I'd be able to stream it to whatever TV I have. I can take it on the go with my phone. How huge was Flips coming on board? Enormous. It took this event, much like the signing of Jim Ross, to another level. And when those guys sat down with with my, which way above my intelligent level, but <laughs> you know, with the marketing and the tech guys, mm-hmm. and sort of we 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 walked each other through. You know, they had to do their due diligence on us, and we had to do the same with those guys. And when we arrived at the point, you could just feel it. it literally in the room, you go, "Wow, okay." This pay-per-view can now be viewed truly globally, and so it, it's enormous. And and then <clears throat> doing the press, and I've done podcasts literally all over the world: Brazil, um, Guatemala, <laughs> um, uh, all through Europe, South Africa, and Australia. And when you hear these fans and and the fan, fans' questions off of these promotions Facebook pages or the podcast Facebook pages, mm-hmm. and they're getting all hyped about it. It's 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 great. I mean, it it has it is the most widely distributed pay per view in the history of professional wrestling. That at any time zone in the world, uh, this Sunday, 
uh, and I'll say my time zone is one central. You can watch it anywhere in the world live. And 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 people here in North America, that's another thing that, you know, I don't I don't know how old you are, but there, there's a lot of uh, millennials that are cord cutters that don't have cable TV. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't matter. You download the Flips app, just like you said, stream it right out. And and so it's uh, it's it's it's, it's technology is great. That's why I was I was hyped for it because I'm a millennial, if you will. I'm 28. I'm sitting here and I don't have cable TV and I don't have pay-per-view. And I could have sought out the pay-per-view, but now with the Flips app, I can go anywhere and have it for when I want to, you know, take it with me. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Well, let me, let me, let me, if you go don't, for it. let me be the interviewer right here. Sure. So you're, t- you're 28. You don't have cable television. Right. You're a wrestling fan. Yep. How do you consume your content? Because... In, in global force wrestling, what over the last all the research being done, it, it's it's you you are not in the minority. There are a lot of guys that don't have cable TV. What made you made that decision? Besides financial, I'm going to take that off the board. Is it something that you just don't want to consume your entertainment uh, that way? I tell you what, I don't even think the finances played a part into it because you know I, I can sit here and I can watch almost anything I want to on a Hulu or a Netflix, and now you know with the Flips app I can get an event like Global Force or with you know New Japan World is out there and WWE Network if I'm a wrestling fan and want to watch that. And now all these TV shows that are out there are putting their TV shows online, so you, I don't necessarily have to have cable TV to watch what I want to watch. Yeah, that, and that 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 has drastically. And it's not just my opinion. The data shows it. In oh, the yeah. last 18 months. Um, wow. It, 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 it's the digital age. They thought it was coming. It's here. <laughs> it's here. Yeah. It, once, it, uh, once sports catch up, because that's really why most people I think, at least that I talk to, are keeping cable television is, you know, sporting events. Well, the, the guys, some of the guys that I work out, and we're getting really personal here, but one of the, some of the guys I work out with in the gym, I've had this exact conversation. And when I, when they talk about sports, they're like, what are you what are you talking about? All you do is go to Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, yeah. if there's a major game that you don't want to sit at home and watch it. You'll sure. you'll say you'll just okay. And if it's a game that's just you've got a little bit of interest in, you follow it online with an app or or, or whatever. So the, the big sporting events, people are going out and watching it. So there you have it. We'll finish up if it's all right with you. We had a couple of questions come in on Twitter uh, that wanted to get uh, your way. Uh was there any worry that some of the Ring of Honor talent, and especially uh, the junior tag champs, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, was there any worry at all during this process that they may not be able to appear on this pay-per-view? I had zero control over that. Okay. that. That was a New Japan Ring of Honor situation. I think it would have been very, very unfortunate had Ring of Honor uh, pulled that talent. Um, it, you know, I think it would have been a, a loss for the wrestling fan. It'd have been a, a loss for ring of honor and, and a major loss on a personal level to those guys. They, they're super talented and what a stage and what a platform and, and what an opportunity to, to get in there with those other three teams. Sean on Twitter asks, what was the origin of the slap nuts term? <laughs> that, that's funny. I, I, a bunch of these podcasts, they, they always circle back to that one way or another real quick. A slappy, who my grandmother t- 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 coined the term, was someone who uh, she used to say that you know people who run their mouth and they know more and more about less and less is a slappy. Uh-huh. And so I just sort of modernized it back in the '99, I guess that was, mm-hmm. and just uh, threw the nuts in there. Okay, <laughs> I, here I thought I was being unique asking that question. Apparently not. No, <laughs> but the slap nuts—it's almost like got a 
it's 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 retro. It's almost come back in vogue because there's a lot of people talking about it online. I tell you what, it, it's true. I've seen it. Um, and the last one, and I'll I'll kind of lead this into your final plug for the show coming up this weekend. Is any update on the uh, U.S. pay per view carriers carrying this live at two a.m. Eastern, one a.m. Central? There has been, and and, and you know. Obviously, it's the holiday season. You got UFC. You've got all these cable systems, and they're run. You know, Direct and Dish is basically run from from one. Uh, I'll call it back in. But but Comcast Nashville is different than Comcast Fort Wayne, Indiana, different than Comcast Philadelphia. And so, um, but rest assured, everywhere in North America, and that's not just United States, all through Canada, they're carrying the pay per view live at two a.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Direct TV. Is, is the only one that is not going to air it in the traditional Sunday evening pay-per-view time slot. But if you're a DirecTV user, all you got to do is hit buy and you got it on your DVR. Uh, and so you can watch it multiple times that day. But it is live 2 a.m. Eastern all through North America and obviously on the Flips app. Yeah, that, that Flips app again becomes... Uh... You know, even more so important because now you can watch it anytime. If you're if you're worried about whether your pay per view provider is going to have it at the time you want to watch it, uh, flips on your iOS or Android will do the job. Uh, so yeah, Jeff, I'm excited for this uh, event coming up this weekend. Jim Ross, Matt Stryker on the call. Any final thoughts on those two guys uh, and their preparation for this event? They, uh, I think Jr. tweeted a day or so ago that he got snowed in, and so he said it's another prep day and it's another mm-hmm. video watching day. I can tell you uh, that both of them, um, on a lighter note, you know, they're going back and forth with the correct pronunciation of 20 new, at least 20 new Japanese names. And then if you want to throw in historical references, there's, you know, Antonio Noki's the easy call. There's some, right. there's some Japanese names. So um, they're super excited. And, and seriously, they, they, they're prepping. They, they have done massive. I have seen word documents that are 10 and 12 pages long that are being circulated, um, multiple documents uh, from the, you know, the history of certain championships, history of certain uh, wrestlers. They're super excited. I'm super impressed, stoked um, just to get, you know, game day Sunday, Jim Ross gets to walk that aisle and, and, and get, get back on his saddle and get in that seat and get the headsets on and, you know, an electric atmosphere, knowing that, you know, 50 plus thousand fans plus, you know, the audience around the world, the wrestling fans, you know, are, I think there's going to be a, a sense of connectivity. And, and like you said, you know, the, the, the flips app, you, you don't worry if direct or dash or pro, you can, you can, you can watch it on that app. So we're all excited. Um, Sunday's game day. It's that simple. Jeff Jarrett, Global Force Wrestling. Jeff, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time this week to talk to us, and good luck on uh, Saturday night, Sunday. All right, one final question for you sure. about shaking them ropes. Yes. Are you going to shake the ropes Sunday at, at 2 a.m., or are you going to watch it in the traditional time slot? So I will be at a family event in Chicago. I am going to do everything I can to watch <laughs> it live. I oh, don't wow. know if I can confirm that yet, though. Okay, well, family first. I totally uh, fam- family first, but I will watch it as soon as it is uh, possible for me to do so. I am really excited for this event. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your promotion. Be there Sunday. I want to thank Jeff Jarrett for coming onto the show and talking to us uh, a little bit, uh, not only about uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling show coming up on Saturday night and Sunday live. You can watch it live on pay-per-view in the Flips app, so uh, that'll be interesting. You can also watch it if you're a subscriber to New Japan World. Um, you can do 
that way too. But if you want to hear Jim Ross and Matt Stryker call uh, this unique event because they are calling it really, uh, you can do that on pay-per-view and the Flips app. So thank you to Jeff Jarrett. Uh, We still have Dylan Hales to come talking about the uh, matches of the year in 2014, as well as Jeff Hawkins in just a moment to talk the craziness of this Raw. The Raw that I thought was a really good show uh, with a pretty poor ending. Uh, and we'll see, we'll get his thoughts as well on uh, WWE Raw. Uh, just take this time uh, to let you know that you can uh, subscribe to our show. ShakeThemRopes.com has all the information to do so. Uh, you can also catch uh, the show here on YouTube, subscribing to the Shake Them Ropes channel. Uh, I hope you enjoy it because uh, that's really why we're doing this is to uh, put something out there that I think uh, people will like to listen to, even if it's five minutes a day, 10 minutes, uh, you know, five minutes a month, who knows. Uh, but we want to make sure that you have fun in the conversation and you can join the conversation by following us at Shake Them Ropes, tweeting at us. We take questions on our shows. Uh, we have interaction with anyone who wants to interact with us. So you can really be a part of the show. We also have a 24-7 Skype and phone lineup to where if you have uh, some thoughts that you want to get out, but you you don't really want to get them out in 140 characters, you can give us a call. Uh, we take voicemails uh, anywhere from zero seconds to two minutes. You can come in and uh, and leave a voicemail message that we will play on our show. So you can get your thoughts out there in verbal form. Uh, just go to shakethemropes.com for all the information on how to do that as well. Uh, we'll be right back here with uh, Jeff Hawkins and then still come Dylan Hales at Dylan Waco to talk matches of the year. All right, I'm back here now with Jeff Hawkins, the co host of this fine podcast shake them ropes jeff you are uh you are not at home right now are you no i'm not i'm in scottsdale arizona actually now is that a uh is that an upgrade from los angeles do you like it there better (laughs) it's quieter but you know i wasn't expecting to have to record this week as as you well know know. (laughs) hey we still we still had a good uh what did we have 12 days off oh yeah no it was a a fun vacation i uh (laughs) I'm literally in a closet. <laughs> nice. That's uh, I. I put all this money into a recording studio. I could have just been using a closet. <laughs> well, you know, I have a microphone and stuff at home, and you yeah. know, I can, I can, I can control the noise there. I can't control the noise when I'm staying at other people's houses. And That's they true. Have lives and whatnot. So I'm, I'm doing my best here. Oh, is is the Rob Cam on? And are you wearing something revealing yet, yet tasteful? Um, it's not <laughs> revealing. It's tasteful, I suppose. And yes, the Rob cam is on because I watched, I watched the Rob cam to see how many eye rolls you gave me when I made opinions. That you I've, I've done my best to make sure I don't give too many facial expressions <laughs> when I try to be stone face and I do a pretty good job because, oh boy, if this webcam wasn't here, amazed what you would see. And eventually <laughs> Eventually, I think I won't even realize it's on and I won't be playing to it because I'm not playing to it now, but you'll just get honest reactions. Does this mean I need to start recording myself when I'm taping? Well, we got to talk about that. Oh, okay. (laughs) There might be. Well, I started it off just like, okay, what could we do with this? Because, you know, if we put it on YouTube, that's a whole nother, you know, way that people can know about the show, right? 
So I was thinking, hey, we put us on YouTube, and if someone stumbles along, like uh, this week we have Jeff Jarrett on the show. If someone's just searching for Jeff Jarrett and they stumble across our podcast, hey, that's one more person that wouldn't have done it, you know, if we were just audio. All right. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about ways. I don't know. We have a YouTube channel. We got like three subscribers so far in the first week, and I haven't advertised it at all. This is the first we've talked about it because I just wanted to put it up and start filling it in. But uh, yeah, if you want to see where I record, and uh, and I guess that's basically it, and listen to our show in a viewing sense, uh, you know, you honestly know the real reason why I started doing the video is because uh, no, no, I'll tell right. you because you won't get it because it's not okay. it's not like a funny reason. But okay. I have this Apple TV, and they right. updated the YouTube app recently, and you know you can watch YouTube in full high definition. On right. any television through this Apple TV, you can do it through Roku, you can do it through your phone, you can do it through almost anything that's out there. And I'm like, wouldn't that be cool to get our show on big screen TVs via like an Apple TV? <laughs> Maybe I'm just a narcissist. I don't know. You're better looking than I am, Rob. We have like 57 views. I guarantee 54 of them are myself watching me. And one's me. And one's you, yes. <laughs> so for the two other viewers out there, we welcome you. Um, uh. But but I, what I wanted to do is, you know, we start talking with different people. I mean, we've had guests on this show. We've had, you know, Dylan Hales will be on this very episode. We've had Todd Martin. We've had Jeff Jarrett, Nick Dinsmore. We've had a bunch of different people where I'm thinking, what just, you know, the YouTube audience likes small clips. They like five-minute clips. What would happen if I just put together, like, you know, eventually five-minute clips of different parts of our show, put them out there. So for those who just want a little small taste, they can get it. They don't have to listen to an entire hour to figure out if they want to keep listening to us. You know, a lot of different ideas, but we'll talk more about that uh, off of the air. That's your little okay. sneak peek on this behind the scenes episode about what we're doing. Um, but we are here to talk about this Monday's raw with the full intention of us taking this week off because we both figured this raw would be a nothing show. Boy, were we wrong. Yeah, we were, and I think we're left with a lot of we're left with answers, but we're also left with a lot of questions too. We got some uh, we got some questions, so I think what we're going to do on this uh, on this episode here is go through raw, give our thoughts uh, segment by segment, and then our overall thoughts because I thought the first ninety minutes of this episode was heading it on its way to being the best raw of the year, and I don't know, I haven't seen a lot of other thoughts out there yet. I don't know if I'm crazy. I don't know if I'm in line with what some people are thinking, but this first 90 minutes of the show were, to me, quite awesome. I thought they were good. I, I think you're overvaluing it because you get to compare it to just the <laughs> All the other Raws I watch? Yeah, all the, all the boring – I mean, you have to watch this live and live you have to report week. on it. Yep, every and week I for think, three I, and a half think, hours. I think anything that just basically entertains you at this yeah. point is going to be seen as awesome. That might be it, because I did not find too much wrong with this show at all until the end. And we'll get to that ending. Oh, okay. Um, but okay. We'll, we start with uh, Edge and Christian were the hosts for the show. They came out. They did their little shtick. It wasn't quite as uh, funny as what I think people remember. Although back in the day, I don't think people realized that Edge and Christian weren't really that funny. Um, it was this same type of goofball humor, but the fact that now they're 10 years older kind of changes the dynamic of their comedy, if you will, because they're not the young kids seeking attention. They're the old guys who are just coming back. I always find, 
find it fascinating that WWE always kind of treats Edge as a big deal and Christian as kind of a right. Meh. He's there. He, he's the it's, other one. It's Edge it's and almost, the other one. It's almost like they should announce him as Edge with Christian as opposed to Edge and Christian. Right. Well, they couldn't be brothers because you had to distance Christian from the big star. So they're no longer brothers. <laughs> but uh, Edge came out in his Sami Zayn shirt supporting the cause. Yes. Uh, Christian came out in his recently retired attire uh, because he is retired now. That, that was news to me. I, I, I didn't get that memo. I, I think I think I had figured, I mean, at, at this point, he was never coming back. That was just me because all the issues he had, he spent the last two years wrestling like twice because he had concussions. I figured we're never seeing the guy again, whether it's official or not. It's one of those gradual retirements, almost like Barry Bonds in baseball, how you knew it was ending for him. Not just for the off-the-field trouble, but also on the field. You knew it was ending, but he never really made this big thing like, I'm retiring. He just was gone. I, well, I think Christian has enough heft where he kind of deserves a video send-off as well. I, that's just me. Point. Well, they'll, they'll go in the Hall of Fame, or he'll go in the Hall of Fame at some point. I think they'll probably, I mean, wouldn't this be funny if they make an Edge, uh, like a two-time inductee, and they induct Edge and Christian as the tag team? <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. They, they, there's precedent. That rile that would rile me a little bit. <laughs> there is there is precedent, so we could do that. But uh, Edge and Christian came out for their ten minutes of comedy. Uh, you know, they're going back and forth about having one of their segments on the show, whether it was going to be the Peep Show or the uh, Cutting Edge. They decide let's have both. Let's have the Cutting Edge Peep Show. Seth Rollins comes out. He was going to be their first guest. Seth Rollins comes out doing exactly what he always does, except this time he was chipper. He was happy, Seth Rollins. He, was, he still wanted the authority back, but he had a plan. And he was happy because he knew his plan was going to come to fruition. Yes, whenever bad guys are happy, you know they have a plan. Yeah, and he did. Uh, you had John Cena coming out, uh, Brock Lesnar coming out. Basically, this first segment was just all the stars on the show, all in one segment. Uh, went pretty quickly to me. It was still a 16-minute long segment. It set up two matches for later in the show, but the segment flew by. I was actually surprised that it had gone longer than 10 minutes when I uh, finally saw the clock on this thing. Yeah, no, it wasn't that, It wasn't too bad. And you know what? I'm one of those people. I don't mind Edge and Christian's comedy because I think they're the, really the only two guys who can pull off this kind of stuff and, we, and, make, it, and make it seem entertaining at least. And we haven't seen it. Yeah, and if a joke bombs, they're self-aware enough where they'll say it sucks. Yeah, and <laughs> and we hadn't we hadn't seen it in so long. If you do this once every year, like even Santino Morella coming back once every year is not so much a bad thing. But when he's right. doing the same stuff every single week, well, hey, he has a New Year's show coming up, so no, uh, that's true. Yeah, but isn't it just main event? Yes. Yeah, no one's gonna watch that except for me. <laughs> I have to horrible but uh john cena tried to pick a fight with brock lesnar brock lesnar almost went up for an aa escaped uh and that Les was basically lesnar and, his vir- lesnar and his virgin necks yeah. um i I did, I did like paul Heyman's uh <laughs> why are you two still in here kind of promo i, I really yeah. enjoyed that quite yeah. a bit yeah paul Heyman was good um you know brock lesnar on the show and we'll get to it in the main event segment too didn't do a whole lot for being on the show Kind of just, you yeah. know, he, he didn't break a sweat. He came out once. He got lifted up, and then the rest of it was just, you know, looking mean on stage. Yeah, and it leads, it leads me to questions where he where your champ and your supposedly big-time heel is just an afterthought. Yeah. 
Well, oh, I mean, still I'll, get into that. I'll get into that. I'll get into that later yeah. uh, because because I think a lot of this leads up to that question well, in terms of a lot of what happened on this show. Let's get into the next one. Uh, one of the matches made in the opening segment was going to be champion versus champion Dolph Ziggler and Rusev. And mm-hmm. until the finish of this one, I thought this was a high quality match. I called it a better than TV match, uh, almost pay per view quality. You know, Dolph Ziggler's working hard. Rusev really worked well with uh, with Dolph Ziggler. Like this was a match where I know people on Twitter were talking about if they can get this match, you know, in true form on a pay per view in 2015, that could be a pretty big deal. Yeah, Rusev's good with guys who will bump for him, and and you know, kind of the quicker guys, he's, I believe. He's been good uh, with almost everybody. Yeah, he is. I, I know, but like he looks worse against bigger guys, which is odd. Yeah, well, I mean, I I thought all the matches with Jack Swagger have been really good. Uh, you know, people were praising, especially on I think it was a main event match, uh, the Big E matches that he would have. Yeah, but both those guys can really move, like the Big Show match and the Mark and Henry. Mark Henry, matches. right? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I hate I hated the ending of this match absolutely because if you're putting if it's a title versus title match, yeah, which I don't know if they. It's a champion versus champion, but I assume that meant title versus title. It wasn't title, title versus title, no. It was just champ versus champ. Okay. Uh, I, I think Rusev is, is a smarter wrestler to be DQ'd for kicking too much ass. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Um, and uh, and also just the, the, the thing that really got me was that last spot with the uh, – with the was it the accolade, the accolade in the, ropes. the bottom rope yes. where, where 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 Ziggler has his hand behind the rope, he pulls it out and he could f- probably adjust himself, but then he puts the hand back behind the rope. I didn't notice that. Oh, it, it seemed a little ridiculous. It kind of took me out of it. It's like, oh yeah, well, <laughs> you can move your arm at any time here. Well, there, were, uh, there was a, I, there were a couple instances then on that show. Yeah, I liked the run in. Uh, yeah. I mean. This, the Ryback thing. Oh, I, absolutely. I, we'll, we'll get into this 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 thing next. But overall, I thought the match was good. I, I, you know, I'd like to see them do an actual build between Dolph and and Rusev, or maybe even not necessarily title unification, but you know, not not so much unification, but you know, say someone drops the title at some point, that's a nice little program that you can have for a good amount of time. And and if you are going to be doing the rise of Rusev. Uh, Dolph Ziggler is the type of guy that he should probably go through because right now he's going through the the low of the low card, you know, sans big show. Uh, At some point, he's got to start rising on the card against these baby faces. And, you know, Ryback is a step up, I believe. I think in people's eyes, Ryback is right up there. Uh, But yeah, in 2015, uh, you got Dolph Ziggler, you got Dean Ambrose, you have the Ryback. You're going to have a lot of guys Rusev can go through where he's finally moving to the top of the card. As I've been saying all along, he's headed up that way. Mm. And uh, we go to Ryback because, uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler is getting beat up. You know, the referee, Rudy Charles, is doing everything he can to stop him. Not working. So the Ryback comes down to a massive reaction. The Ryback runs off Rusev. That is your program. I don't know if they're going to wrestle at the Royal Rumble or maybe on a Raw in between. Or maybe they're setting them up for a singles match at Fastlane. But uh, Ryback and Rusev, not only am I looking forward to this match, morbidly maybe, but then we got the first of what would be a few promos. Yeah, I think I think Vince McMahon took the night off. I do. I honestly do. I think he took the night off and said, ah, try a few things. 
I, I, I can't help but think all these promos are swerves. Well, that, that 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 it's just that it's just hey, it's the end of the year. Let's get through this, and then once we have to really start making things important, uh, it's going to be time to do things the old-fashioned way. It's so weird because last year at the year-end time, remember we got Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatt family. Yeah. So they do this sometimes. Now I didn't think anything of this. I thought okay, no, they're they, gonna, they 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 generally do they generally do this yeah. maybe like a week after WrestleMania. And there's usually a week in August where something like this happens. So the Ryback is coming out. He runs off Rusev, goes through a commercial break. Two and a half minutes later, he's still in the ring. His music's playing. So who knows what he was doing during the commercial break? Uh, he, he cuts a promo. He's basically now, you know, two years after the Ryback debuts, he's giving character development to himself. He's explaining <laughs> what his motivations are. Uh, I mean, this promo... I loved it. I thought Ryback was great. He's going through, you know, stuff that he said on Chris Jericho's podcast about reading the secret and becoming super positive in life. And from all accounts, it sounds like he's a pretty positive guy. Um, I hated the fact that the crowd was wetting this man. Yeah. I, t- I tweeted out, stop wetting him, you assholes. Because <laughs> this was one of the promos where I would like to see more of it. You know, give the guy a microphone, let him talk about his story. And they finally did. And this was an A plus to me. I graded it a B. Um, if, if I was going to have to grade, I, well, I, they, if they I have re- to think about it. Well, no, 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 no. Well, they did. Ret- they, they did. This was a nice retcon too, because they've they, they've conveniently forgotten about the Rybaxel era and the Heyman era. Yeah, um, which is me, fine to me. I, I forget about that era too. I know Curtis Axel wishes no one did, but <laughs> well, the the thing about this is. Ryback is not served well by doing this long of a promo. This is something where, I mean, we know the WWE does great video packages. You could do a combination of the two here and tell and be really, really compelling. But, but see, the pressure of having that live audience I, means means we have to put them through. I didn't mind the promo. I thought the promo was really good. I thought it was um, necessary. I thought it was I welcomed. Too. Yes, because here's the thing. He's not going to do this every week. He's not going to come out here and cut 15-minute promos, but one, to get your story out there. Um, And he did. He did the uh, video clips. You know, this was a trend we've been noticing all the way back, I think, since June, May, uh, you know, somewhere around there, where they come out in these long promos, and instead of letting the the wrestlers speak, they say, oh, I'm going to show you a video now. Come back, talk for a minute. I'm going to show you another video now. It was kind of that, except he did get to get his words out there. but yeah, I, I don't see how anyone could be, you know, negative on this unless you just thought the Ryback wasn't very good speaking. Uh, this was necessary for the character. I think it helped get the fans, even those who are watching him and Channing Goldberg. I think they have now a reason to get behind this man. And he did exactly what I was waiting for someone to do. It's no longer a USA Russia thing with Rusev. It's finally two big guys who are going to fight. He added importance to himself. He had an importance to his story. He added importance to this match when it eventually happens. And it's a match I'm looking forward to see who wins, as and surprising he, as that may be. And he wasn't overscripted. No. He got to speak. He got to tell his own his story in his own words. The, no, I think that was, and I think that was very, very oh, important. Yeah. To At no point during that promo was I thinking that's a word that the Ryback wouldn't say. Um, and also, you know, but, but I mean, my idea was almost, I, I forgot who, I can't give appropriate credit to who it was, but I realized someone came up with this idea before me. But like, 
this was this was a time kind of to do when Ross sat down with Foley for that interview. Okay. Again, this would be more Ryback speed, I think, rather than standing in front of people and giving this story. Yeah. While it was very compelling and it was great, and I have very, very few complaints about it, um, I, I think you can do the same thing in a more uh, <laughs> digestible way, I guess, as opposed to the usual I'm standing. Because they do so many Here's the problem. They do so many 18-minute promos that if you don't mix up the style of how those promos come out, they all start to kind of feel the same. But although at the same time, this one felt different. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. It, it, mine, mine, that's not a minor – that's not even a nitpick. That was just a minor, well, maybe they could have done it this way. I'd be all up with it if they follow up with this and they still want to have him you know, speak about his story and positivity and all that. I'm perfectly fine with sit-downs from here on out, but I think that first one, that first one has to be in front of people. But I'm wondering also why you're building him up if you're just going to have Rusev run through him. I don't know if it's going to happen, because we may be seeing this all the way to WrestleMania, honestly. Okay, okay, we, well, if this, is, if this is the WrestleMania program, okay, well, yeah. We, we have three months now, and we have the Royal Rumble coming up, where they probably won't have a singles match in the show. They'll probably do something with each other at the Royal Rumble. You know, one will eliminate the other, you know, and, and they'll go... They'll build up something to Fastlane. Fastlane will be your junk finish. And then WrestleMania is the big match. Okay. Because what else do you do with Rusev? I think Rusev, uh, you know, the build for him is best served getting him on top more towards the end of the year or SummerSlam. Uh, it's interesting because I thought we were thinking that the build was going to be for Cena eventually to take Rusev on at WrestleMania. Well, I think it was, but now we're getting closer with three months and they haven't even teased that in the slightest that I don't right. think right now that's a good way to go. Okay. No, that's... That's perfectly fine with me. I, I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take this program for. Hey, if we're gonna slow down running through big matches at pay per views on weekly Raws to do a slow building right. storyline, I'm all, I'm all for it. It would be a great relief to me. We might as well. Uh, yeah, we'll hold that thought because later on in the show, it, it rings true for a certain program that's still going on. Uh, right. Nikki Bella rack attack over uh, Natalia. They continued the Tyson Kidd uh, gimmick where he's, you know, whether he means to or not, he just can't help but help Nikki Bella. And Natalia gets all confused and Bree's yelling at him for, you know, putting his hands on his on her sister. And this is just a whole bunch of Total Divas stuff that uh, I don't know if we're ever going to see an actual payoff for. Hey, here's a reward for all your great stuff in NXT and on Superstars. You get this crappy storyline. Hey, Congratulations, Tyson Kid. You're on TV, bro. Hey, oh, by the way, speaking of Ryback, going back to that, do you have a vision board, Rob? Does it does it have like New Japan and play by play and giant microphones and sadness on it? I don't have a vision board. <laughs> no. Um I'll look into it. There's space there's space on the wall here for a vision board. Uh, for those viewing on the uh, YouTube. Oh, and by the way, the eye roll count is at two so far. <laughs> hey, in first grade, we call it Kalash. Wait, what else did you roll your eyes on? Right. Well, that'll Hold be on, for I you to know. find. Uh, oh. I, I can't even remember. Come okay. on now. Uh, Naomi backstage was thanking The Miz. She was super joyous. She got a meeting with his agent, and uh, she has a future. And The Miz was confused that this woman who he was trying to help and wanted you know, thanks from finally thanked him. He was confused by this. Right. 
I I still tend to think that Ms. Dow helped out in this, but maybe maybe it's just going to be explained away as we're all playing the Miz. Yeah, something's going on there. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, I don't know either. Next thought, in the show, I thought they were going to use. I thought they were going to use that to further the breakup, but I guess they're not. Not not quite yet. Um, the first of two Miz and Mizdow matches. This one for the tag team titles. They lost the titles to the Usos. It was another strong match. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. they were kicking out of finishers left and right. They were kicking out of big spots here. Miz took the whole entire match, basically. You know, tried to get Mizdow in there late, uh, or Mizdow tried to get in late. He was able to. He cleaned up on the Usos a little bit, but eventually the Miz was about to get super kicked. Miz pulls Mizdow in front. Mizdow takes the bump, as a good stunt double should do. And then Mizdow eats it for the uh, for the loss. And we have new tag champs, the Usos. Uh, just only a few days after we wondered how they weren't two-time tag champs, and we couldn't <laughs> believe it, they are now two-time tag team champions. I have no problem with this. I had no problem with it either. It was a good match. I think this allows you to go to the next place in the Miz Mizdow story, which I have a feeling they're going to do something in the actual Royal Rumble 2 to lead to their eventual breakup because I, this to me is the WrestleMania match for these two. Am I wrong? I mean, the Miz and Mizdow is a match, a singles match that should be happening. I don't know if it's going to make the pay-per-view with all that's going to be on that card, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fine pre-show match. It could be a pre-show match. Yeah. It could be something. Uh, put that on there. But Miz and Mizdow, I think the roads are leading to the breakup at this point. I think Lawler playing Joe Rogan's kind of lame. What do you think about that? How do you mean? Going in the ring. Oh, how do you guys yeah. feel? How do you? And of course, as as a WWE announcer, he only has one question: How do you feel? Well, <laughs> it's perfectly fine. I mean, yeah. First of all, he's not Johnny Carson. He's not going in there asking eighteen questions. So no, get your one out. What's your reaction? You know, I see you're joyous, whatever. It was a good celebration. Naomi comes in and, uh, you know, Naomi and Jay or Jimmy, whichever one it is that she's married to. Uh, yeah, everything's all good now. They're perfectly fine. They won the tag team titles. And judging by what happened after uh, with the Miz and Mizdow, I think they're completely out of the tag team picture. And that's why I think they're breaking up because they're yeah. completely out of the tag picture. Yeah, we have a new heel team to uh, to replace them, so they're yes. out of the tag picture. Yes, we do. Um, it was at this <laughs> point where, uh, you know, all on Twitter, Twitter was a buzz before Raw, as Daniel Bryan made this tweet about coming to a career crossroads, and he would, get, he would make a decision tonight, or at least announce his decision. So immediately out there, a lot of people were thinking, oh, he's going to retire. And I'm sitting there thinking, there's absolutely no way, because one, the timeline isn't right, Two, that'd be the beginning, and maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the timeline just wasn't right there because he's been trying to rehab so much. He hasn't had this second surgery that people were thinking he would have. You know, you would think before he calls it a career, he would at least try that second surgery. You know, but also Edge was on this show, and I honestly, you know, a lot of times I don't make the connections right away because I'm cheerful. I want to think, you know, what should happen is going to happen. But I made the connection right away. Edge is on this show. It was the same type of injury. There's no way Daniel Bryan is retiring on this show. They're just playing up the fact that Edge is on there and people are going to think it and tune in. And I think it worked because I saw so many people, you know, saying, please don't, please don't, you know, please don't go, please don't retire. 
And that's great. If you thought he was about to retire, that's excellent because you want people to be invested in those characters. And Daniel Bryan is one of the few that people are really, truly invested in. Uh, and this was where Michael Cole really started to play up what his announcement could be. Uh, at this point, Jeff, did you think that it could be bad news? Uh, no, because if it were real bad news, he would have done it at the top of the show. And and the Edge thing could have played into that where Edge would, you know, they'd, They'd think, well, he's a, you know, he's not a big enough star to carry this on. So then we'll have Edge in there to say, yeah, you know, I understand the whole thing with the neck and whatnot. And they'd walk off into the sunset, whatever. At this point, uh, see, when I watched Raw, or when I, you know, I was kind of following along for like the first hour, and then I kind of cut out, and so I didn't even know Daniel Bryan was going to be on until okay. they said so. Uh, so I didn't know anything about this tweet or anything to that effect. I figured in the time slot they were going to put him on in. Uh, no, they weren't going to. They weren't going to do it. I, I, I don't know if I agree with the emotional manipulation, but I understand it. And I thought it was, you know, I thought Brian's promo was very, very compelling. I enjoyed well, it. This is one of those situations where they never advertised that he he would be making a uh, a decision right. about retiring. They just advertised right. he had an announcement. He was at a crossroads, which is true. It's one of those mm-hmm. where they kind of let the imagination of the fans take over. And yeah, however and they interpret it is fine. Yeah. Yeah, no. This is the part where the show got pretty weird to me. <laughs> and weird in a good way. So Cesaro is out. This is now, I'm thinking, are we having just shoot promo night? Is this the launch of all these characters who who haven't really had backstories? Um, it would turn out to be not. But Cesaro has the towel over his head. He's sitting in the corner. I I jokingly thought to myself, okay, first he was pretending to be Taz. Quiet down, I know he wasn't. Second of all, now he's pretending to be Raven. Well, it's funny. As soon as you posted that, our friend Robert posted, Raven! Yes. <laughs> he, know, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Uh, but Cesaro is coming out here saying that, uh, you know, it should have been his year. He won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Uh, He has higher ups telling him that he doesn't connect to the audience, but he doesn't care. All he wants to do is prove that he's the best in the ring and that no one can touch him. Uh, It was very CM Punk-esque in the words that he was choosing. Oh, okay. Well, it kind of was. I mean, basically, CM Punk cut that promo. You know, I'm the best in the ring. To me, this was a different kind of promo. This is the Lance Storm, Furnace, and LaFon, Charlie Haas. I'm not entertaining enough for you promo. But I'm a darn good wrestler. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a good wrestler. And I honestly thought this was one of his better promos speaking-wise, too, because... Oh, agree. You know, it was fully understandable. He was going at it. You could tell that there was uh, some oomph behind it, like he wanted to get these words out. Uh, and, and, then, and then the boneheads on commentary buried him for making a slip-up on the four ropes comment. Which wasn't really a slip-up. He just didn't realize how people would interpret it. Like, right. you know, he was talking about the four sides of the ring and he says four ropes and he just kind of misused the word there. Um, didn't make the best recovery. Probably would have been better had he not said anything or at least, you know, thought it right away. I don't know. But it was a minor slip up. It's really not that big of a deal. And yes, the announcers should shut the hell up. I agree. And and I also, you know, I don't I there's part of me that doesn't like these types of promos where where you're kind of making you realize it's all fake because the people who make the but yeah the people who make the decisions the decision makers we had reference to the decision makers a couple times yeah during the course of this raw and it's just like well i'm not supposed to be thinking about that i'm supposed to be thinking that all happens out here in the ring 
Here's the thing. I can play devil's advocate here to those that are saying this just exposes the business because look at UFC. The more marketable guys, the guys who connect with the audience, they are going to be given higher slots first before other guys who might be just as good. That's basically what this is. Cesaro is the great wrestler, but because other great wrestlers maybe connect with the audience more, they're getting the higher up. So I can, you know, I can say the devil's advocate piece there and say it makes perfect sense. Um, well, you know what he should have done, I think. There, there's another way to do this, to, to not make it seem like management is against you. You just bury what you said, oh, I heard Vince McMahon on Steve Austin's podcast on the network trashing me. Well, yeah. Screw you, Vince. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not I'm not here for you. I'm here for me, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah, there's definitely different angles he can do it. And you know it was Vince on commentary, uh, you know, through the headsets, telling the commentators to – you know, point out his mistake so that Vince can say, you know what? I'm right. This guy doesn't have it. Look at the mistakes he's making. Yeah, uh, that that was unfortunate. Skipping ahead a little bit to uh, more important things. Roman Reigns wrestled Seth Rollins for 18 hours and five minutes. I want to do, do, do one thing on, on Luke Harper. <sighs> okay, go ahead. Real quick. He's, he's half a step away from having an old Skinner slash the Godwin comedy gimmick where he's basically pig pen in a ring in the ring. Oh yeah, that's right. The uh clothesline, clothesline from smell yep. is, is is a gimmick killer. And if they start doing the doing things like armpit spots like the bushwhackers or something, yeah. you're gonna completely you're gonna completely ruin this character. I would agree there. But talking okay. about completely ruining characters sending oh, Roman really? sending Roman Reigns out to do a twenty minute match where Seth Rollins is the man keeping him on the mat. Hmm. It's interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> he's been doing long matches on house shows, but he's been doing them with guys like Rusev and, you know, you know, bigger guys who, okay, it makes sense to keep him on the mat. Seth Rollins is wearing this guy down. There's, you know, I think 18 minutes of headlock spots throughout this 25 minute match. Uh, I don't even know how long it went. It just went on so long. This was probably the weakest, long time. this was the weakest part of the show to me. Um, and then, yeah, you basically have a disqualification ending again on one of the two yeah. big matches that you promoted for the show. Took a long time to get to it, but let me let me tell you something. Big Show's already the best commentator on Raw. Yeah, he's excellent. <laughs> he was he was great, especially when uh, Rollins had the lead. He was great at hyping yeah. up the star that Seth Rollins was. Um, I don't know if he was necessarily as good promoting a confrontation with Roman Reigns, but I thought whenever Seth Rollins had the advantage. Big Show was amazing. Oh yeah, no, he was he was he was being a great old school heel announcer as opposed to being just heelish in, in it for himself. Um, I I wish if we're gonna rely on continuity for other storylines, I wish someone would remember that Big Show has immunity for being fired, and that hey, I could have turned on Cena's team anytime I wanted to because they weren't gonna be able to fire me anyways. That's a perfectly better reason than the reason they gave him to give for turning. Although it did spark him into into a glorious rant about how yeah. great no, about he, how great Seth Rollins is and women are trying to tear off his clothes. And <laughs> it, it was very smart of them to put this big show on commentary out there during this match because you know part of me thinks they did it to kind of distract from what the match would be. Yeah. Because after the fact, you're just thinking, okay, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns had a match, but I'm listening to Big Show, and it's going to distract you from how bad this match might be. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. This, this should have been uh, 
this should not have been booked, in my opinion. Uh, Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose are going to have an ambulance match Monday on Raw. So you were talking about how we could spread out Rusev matches, and we're going to have three months with one Rusev and Ryback match, possibly. Uh, This is going to be, what, their fourth or fifth gimmick match in the span of three weeks? This is ridiculous. It's getting insane. And, and I love it. It's the first ambulance match, which is only slightly different than a stretcher match, which they've had plenty of. And I'm pretty sure they've had ambulance matches, have they not? I thought they had one with Kane and Cena, didn't they? I thought that was an ambulance match, yes. Yeah. It was, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's been at least one. Maybe maybe they called it something else, I don't know. But yeah, they've had ambulance matches before. But maybe it's just their first ambulance. Maybe they're going to be a best two of three ambulance match series. Between Welcome Dean Ambrose mid- and Bray Wyatt. Welcome to mid-card hell, Dean. Because they, it just keeps going. I, and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a Raw match, so this tells me Dean Ambrose will lose because Dean Ambrose can only win on SmackDown and the C-Shows. Yeah. Uh, backstage, Miz and Miz Dow, this is where they demanded their tag team title match. They did not get it. Instead, they got a two-minute squash loss to the Ascension. Connor and Victor are finally here with goofy face paint, goofy eye paint that reminds me of Sherry Martell and their shoulder pads. Are you buying the Ascension? They're not nearly big enough to be considered ass kickers. And, and Con- Connor uh, kind of is, but his style is still like, I, God bless him if he ever tried. But this is a guy to me that if he was in the ring for a 10 minute singles match would die a spectacular death. I think that should have lasted 15 seconds, no more. Just, just do the fall of man and go to the pin. Boom. Yeah. Make him, make it a squash. Make it an old. That's how the Road Warriors really, really got over. Was just going in, killing guys, doomsday device, pin out of there. If they're going the Road Warriors route, which they want to, mm-hmm. that's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Ascension. I, I half expect them to only last with the face paint for a good three weeks before they realize how silly it looks. Oh, it's such a it's such a relic. Yeah, I, I I don't expect something like that to last, but maybe it does. Maybe it lasts all six months of their WWE careers. Well, I mean, if you think if you think Edge and Christian comedy is dated, the Ascension face paint would have been dated when Edge and Christian's comedy was big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that brings us to the Cutting Edge Peep Show with Seth, yeah. Seth Rollins, John Cena, The Big Show, Jamie Noble. Edge and Christian, Joey Mercury, Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, Kane, The Big Show, Triple H, and Stephanie. These were all the people involved in this segment. And special guest star Dom DeLuise and and that's right, Cubby and Annette, and not, not so much all of those people. Okay, maybe not. But that is you heard me right. Triple H and Stephanie, they are back. In the most anticlimactic way ever. It's not leading to a John Cena heel turn. It's not leading to anything but them being back in power a month and a half later with nothing changed. And before we get into the heart of this segment and get your thoughts. 2014 began with the authority in power. With Daniel Bryan's near future uncertain. Mm -hmm. With Bray Wyatt involved in a program that people were just wishing to end. And John Cena as the top star without the title. 2015 is beginning the same exact way that 2014 began. It's the same, same as thing. It ever was. 
Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. It's the Stephen Colbert special. It's all samesies. I was I was thinking talking heads, but go ahead. Um, yeah, and the, the thing about it is, <laughs> why were why were the authority there? Why? You know, just it, hanging it, out. It, 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 oh yeah, why when not? they're banned. Yeah, yeah when they're supposed to be in Stanford. Um, they they flew down for the show. This. Why not just build up? the architect of the shield and this great mastermind as a mastermind who is now leading the show. Why not have Seth Rollins, since you're beating him anyways from week to week occasionally, be a great mastermind heel and be a top heel and make your top heel the top heel instead of Triple H and Stephanie who are going to get nobody over. Um, Oh, yeah, and and way to bring Brock out to just kind of give a short look. Just short, a short look, yeah. look like a stooge right. for the most part. I mean, they, that might be leading to something. It might be leading to nothing. No, it's just, I you think it's just bring him out there. Yeah, just bring him out. No, no big deal. I thought I, I thought Seth Rollins had good moments in this segment, but overall, it was pretty poor, especially especially at the end. So basically, it was boy, so it was so mustache twirling bad guy. Well, it was crazy because at one point the crowd started chanting "You sold out" as he was running down his accomplishments throughout the year. And like a good on-the-mic superstar will, he was quick-witted. He says, oh, that's right. I want to slam me for that chant, too, so thank you. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought, he, I thought he did fine with what he, he had. Did. Um, but it was towards the end where I think things kind of fell off the rails a little bit. You know, the, the two-and-a-half-minute standoff where John Cena couldn't enter the ring because Seth Rollins was about to curb-stomp Edge, who was pinned down by the big show. He's and- a father. And Seth Rollins is threatening to paralyze this man unless John Cena gives him what he wants. But for three minutes, he wouldn't say what he wanted. You know, it was one of those stories where on the plus side, I can say, okay, they weren't outwardly telling us. We're all supposed to know that Seth Rollins wants the authority back. But then they had the announcers chiming in as if Seth Rollins forgot a line. And they're talking about, oh, we know what that is. He wants the authority back. He wants the authority back. That's right, Jerry Lawler. He wants the authority back. And yeah. instead of letting the story play out, although on the other hand, I'm kind of glad they started talking because this was three minutes of John Cena wondering what to do. And Seth Rollins just standing there, nothing happening. And when it was all said and done, John Cena obliged. He reinstated the authority so that Seth Rollins wouldn't attack edge. And then what happened? Seth Rollins went to attack edge anyway and John Cena was able to stop him anyway. Where were all the guys helping to defeat the authority on the pay-per-view? To come down there and to make sure that all their hard work was not for nothing. Uh, they were on the house show. Oh, Dolph Ziggler was there. Ryback yeah, was right. there. Dolph Ziggler was there. Yeah, Ryback was there. Well, Ryback is uh, too busy reading The Secret. He's busy. <laughs> Eric yeah. Rowan was making wine somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, well, there's a lot of questions. It was one of those things where, again, we almost got John Cena not even coming out. And he finally does come out. And I'm like, dude, get in the ring. You didn't want to bring the authority back, so you give up pretty easily. Um, yeah. I mean, you know how the curb stomp works. He has to run backwards before he can run forwards. That's just physics. Attack him. And he attacks <laughs> him anyway. That's the part that just gets me, because he attacked him anyway. He could have stopped it anyway. It's John Cena. Yeah. I hope someone brings that up. 
That'd be a great program. Oh yeah, John. I can't be the only hey. one who was thinking that. Oh, I, I don't think so either. And and uh, <laughs> did you see the Dolph Ziggler uh, on the post Raw? No, I. I mean, once Raw is over, goes, I'm done. Where he just kind of he has that same look of defeat. I'm talking about just going. Well, what the hell did I do all that for? No. Now I'm being treated like a geek, anyways. Yeah. So now we're gonna get for the next month until Sting comes back to put Triple H in his place. We are going to get handicap matches and three on ones. We're going to get the Authority killing everyone who was on Team Cena. Yeah. As a heat builder, but it's just going to be a yeah. month of awful TV. And you're build and you're building heat to what? Yeah. So yeah, there, there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of these questions. I don't under, I still don't understand the treatment of Brock Lesnar on this show or by the federation or by the federation by World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, if he's going back, if he's going back to MMA, I could see maybe he just doesn't want to do anything physical. Like if he knows he's going to MMA at some point, he doesn't want to risk any type of injury, so he's not going to be physical until he has to in his final match. Maybe that's something I don't know, but. Well, I just mean storyline wise, because you're building up. um, Well, my question is is more of the overall thing. You're building up all these faces Uh as if as if you're hoping one guy catches fire. Because you have Reigns, you have uh, Ziggler, you have Ryback, and now you have Daniel Bryan back. And I thought maybe Daniel Bryan should have been a surprise at the Rumble, as opposed. This because I guess now Orton's going to be the surprise at the Rumble. Orton will be the surprise, but you need Daniel Bryan to pump up buys for. Uh, you need people to buy this network. At, at this point, stop doing surprises until it okay. fits. I, I like nope. the Randy Orton surprise. Keep him off because I don't think he's selling network buys. But Daniel Bryan coming back absolutely could be. All right, that's fair. Uh, but but here's the thing: Does Daniel Bryan now have to win in Philadelphia? Well, that that was my question coming out of the show. That's the biggest question to me coming out of the show: Does Daniel Bryan have to win? I don't think he has to win, but there's only two possibilities who are going to win that match, and he's one of them. Roman, Roman Reigns, Reigns is the other. Um, and I, I just think I just think this is the moment where they 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 just really just let. Philadelphia heel on them and they have Reigns eliminate Brian. I could see that. They they could do that um, because what is your main event going to be? Um, I, and that's the other thing. That, yeah, and that's the other part of my question. Okay, if you're going to have Brock lose to Cena at the Royal Rumble, then beating him at WrestleMania means nothing for anybody. There are two monster heels who, if you get a win over them, it's going to mean something. Rusev yeah. and Brock. I, and I, it, and it almost appears like they're both being built for Cena when you have these guys you're building up. It's so weird because you're right. I mean, this is one of those things where probably as WrestleMania comes, all the matches we think are going to happen or we thought were going to happen for the last month will end up happening. But right now, had we not known what plans were early on or that Roman Reigns is the top guy, like if we're just coming into this as casual fans who are watching TV, we don't have any idea what's going to happen at WrestleMania. Uh, and we're waiting for the Royal Rumble to clear up almost everything. Yeah, because uh, let me put it this way: if 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 Rollins cashes in against Cena and gets the belt, Reigns beating Rollins at WrestleMania really doesn't mean all that much. Um, I I think it would it be means all right. Something. It's okay. No, it's okay, but it doesn't mean as much as Reigns beating Brock for the title. That's what I mean. Yeah, he's not a made guy. He's just beating a geek who's been beat before. For the most part, a guy who stole the belt, right. pretty much, as opposed to won it in a in a clash of titans. If you have, which I think they might be heading towards, if you have Daniel Bryan beat Brock at WrestleMania. Yeah. 
it's not going to mean as much if John Cena's already beaten him for the title. So you're not making a guy that way. I I, I want to, because we, uh, you know, I had a conversation with uh, Dylan Hales, uh, which the match of the year talk will air on this very episode next for all of you listeners out there. But uh, we started talking, we got into a rant about Rusev. And, you know, he had listened to our uh, Shake Them Ropes award show, uh, which you can get at VoicesOfWrestling.com and ShakeThemRopes.com, small plug. Uh, our Shake Them Ropes award show, we did our WWE MVP, and Dylan Hales did not agree with our choice, as, he, as he's prone to do. Uh-huh. Um, and he had a different option. And I put up this clip because I wasn't really, uh, I had him on the show to talk about the match of the year. Uh, and then we got into a uh, discussion, which was a fun discussion lasted about 10 minutes about the WWE MVP and some of the candidates and, and Rusev and Seth Rollins and all these guys. Um, I urge anyone out there who, uh, you know, you have 10 minutes to spare, go to shakethemropes.com. I have the video and the audio up so you can choose which option you want. Um, but it was a really fun discussion. And he, you know, we got to talking about Rusev and we both felt that if you really wanted to make Roman Reigns this year, then Rusev is the guy he should beat. And it should probably happen later this year. Because we thought it was one too early. And Brock Lesnar, I don't know if he has that cachet to make a guy. I think that's where you bring Heyman in. Heyman has a cachet to make Brock, to make a defeat over Brock feel like it's going to be something. Because then you, I mean, if if you do it at WrestleMania, you also play up the Undertaker streak within that. Sure. Um, I, well, that's, I could see, I could see Roman getting the win over Rusev. I really could. Yeah. That, oh, well, that, I mean, I see that eventually. I, I just don't know if they'll do it right now or if it'll happen later on in the year. And we were just talking about, you know, what would be best. And I think that's a pretty good situation. So, uh, if you're interested in, in some high quality Rusev talk, believe me, <laughs> go to shakethemropes.com and listen to our, uh, clip of, uh, myself and Dylan Hales talking about it. But, uh, that was raw, and that's how we enter 2015 in WWE with a whole lot of questions. Question on Daniel Bryan's future, because after all, he's coming back for the Rumble. You don't really need an arm to wrestle in the Royal Rumble. This could be one of those things where they hope he's fine in three months, so let's just put him in this match now in good hope. It may oh, be really? very well. Well, yeah, you don't need to do I anything in the Rumble. You know what? I hadn't thought of that. You can protect him in a Battle Royal. He, he doesn't have to take a bump. He doesn't have right. to do anything. He could be very safe in a uh, in a Royal Rumble. The question really on his career is, will he wrestle at Fastlane? That's the big issue. That's such a lame name for a pay-per-view. <laughs> WWE Fastlane. Fastlane. We're going in the Fastlane, baby. And the well, pick- at least, yeah, he, at least well it's, it's Roman Reigns, Fastlane to WrestleMania. Mm. Fitting, isn't it? But that is uh, WWE in 2014. We've officially talked about all that could happen in 2014. We're onwards and upwards to 2015. Uh, we will be back, you and myself, uh, unless there's any news that you have for me. We should be back on Tuesday talking about the follow-up to all this craziness on Raw and the match that I know everyone is looking forward to, the ambulance match between <laughs> Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt. We're going to be back on Tuesday for a regular edition of Shake Them Ropes talking all WWE craziness with Jeff and myself on uh, Tuesday. Oh, I'm coming back? That's great. Of course you're coming back. (laughs) 
co-host of the show. I can't do it without you. Plus, apparently on Twitter, you're the one who has all the good opinions, and I'm the moron. I figured that's why you're trying to get rid of me. No, I, I can't do it because then all all the listeners go away. I don't get any respect. Once, uh, once respect. I would just like someone on Twitter to say, "Hey, Rob, you know what? You do a good job." Rob, I wouldn't do this show if I didn't think you did a good job, and if I didn't think you were a handsome man on that camera. I roll. There's the eye roll. That 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 compliment is like <laughs> when your mom tells you you're handsome, and you know you're not. My mom's never told me that, so I'm good. All righty. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Dylan Hales here in just a moment. Welcome back, and we are joined now by one of Shake Them Ropes' most popular guests of all time, and that's a true statement. Uh, Dylan Hales, at Dylan Waco on Twitter of the Wrestling Culture Podcast, joins us to talk a little match of the year. Dylan, how are you? And welcome. I'm doing good. I'm in my wife's car in the driveway in a rainstorm, and I'm talking match of the year with you, Rob. So Yes, we, uh... <laughs> we were talking before we went on air that we've taken you away from uh, family responsibilities now twice. It seems like that's the only time I want to get you on is when I know you're with family and you don't have time. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm 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 in demand, but I I make I make time for my uh, devoted uh, podcast right. listening audience. That's so. true. You are in demand. This is the only time I can get you <laughs> during peak hours. Dylan Hales responds, "No, I'm too busy. Come on, Rob." Yes, I've got you. Got you've got to get me yes. in a driving rainstorm over the holidays. The next one is the next one is going to be Easter at three a.m. <laughs> but I'll uh, probably be, uh, probably will be available then. I, so. I bet so. I know I will be. Uh, we're here to talk some uh, match of the year currently ongoing. You are a voter. I am a voter of the uh, Voices of Wrestling dot com match of the year poll that encompasses about over a hundred different bloggers commenters and what have you to uh, come up with what was the best match of 2014. Is this an exciting time for you to get to review the year that was in pro wrestling and, and find out what were your favorite matches? Well, as people who are familiar with me know, I am very much a list guy, mm -hmm. uh, probably prob maybe the, the foremost of the list geeks around the online wrestling world um, are probably the most infamous for, for my list fetishism. So anytime I, I have an excuse to compo compose or compile a list, it is, it is pretty exciting. And, and, you know, it is an excuse to go back and look at some, uh, some interesting matches from all over the world, uh, all kinds of different promotions, all kinds of different styles. Um, I generally actually find it much harder to rank matches than to rank wrestlers. Uh, you know, like I, I, I always feel more comfortable when it comes time to do like a, a WKO 100 ballot or, uh, you know, Thomas Holzerman does the TWB, the wrestling blog 100 every year, which is a, you know, a us and Canada based top hundred. I always find that easier to be honest, but, um, in a way the challenge makes the, the, this which is wrestling poll more fun because I really have to beat my head against the wall to decide, you know, uh, <laughs> who I'm going to put at number one or who I'm going to put at number 10 or who I'm going to leave on the cutting room floor. And this year is really hard. I actually think this year is harder than last year was. It's certainly a wide open year and we'll get to that. Do you think it's uh, as far as, you know, favoriting the ranking of matches or wrestlers versus matches, is it just because we've seen so many instances of good wrestlers having bad matches and sometimes bad wrestlers can have really excellent matches? 
That's probably part of it. I, I mean, to me, I think I, I, I would say that's sort of a peripheral factor. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, to me, I think the biggest difference is if I'm right, if I'm looking at a wrestler, I can look at that wrestler in a variety of settings against a variety of opponents. I can look at him in a five minute match, a 25 minute match, a title match, a brawl, you know, whatever. There's all sorts of different things you can look at over the course of a year. Um, with a match, you're looking at one, basically a segment that spans, you know, anywhere from five minutes, probably on the very, very minimalist end for something like this, to at at most maybe 45 minutes on the very, very extreme end in modern con- times anyway. And so you're looking at a really small window of time, and you're comparing things that really don't have that many similarities. Right. So it, it is, it, it's really, really tricky. But it absolutely is worthwhile. And ultimately what it is, is, like I said before, it's just a really a good excuse to watch all kinds of stuff. And I'm a guy who watches pretty much everything. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is an excuse for me to dig even deeper than I normally do. And I dig deep to begin with. So um, I've found all kinds of obscure stuff I've really enjoyed and, and still uh, I've managed it to narrow, to narrow it down to about 25-ish uh, serious contenders for my top 10, because these ballots are top 10 only. Uh, and I've narrowed it down to about 25-ish, but I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I don't have any idea as of this moment. I really don't know uh, what is going to be my number one. I have no idea. And I don't even really see much of a difference between, you know, any of those 25 matches. Like, I think all of them are pretty much in the same rough category. So it's possible that something that I will leave entirely off of my list is something that I think is just a little bit below what my number one is when it's all said and done. I think a lot of times when people look at uh, the wrestling that they've seen, and if you were to ask anyone out there, what was your favorite match? Uh, Sometimes it's the one that pops up first in their head. Sometimes they think about it for a little bit and they just feel what the answer is. I, do you have any matches out there that you just feel like, okay, I can't really explain it, but this was one of my favorite matches ever? If you're talking all time, um, yeah. I mean, there are matches that sort of immediately pop to my to my mind uh, as some of my all-time favorites. I mean, probably my – if I had to pick one in isolation, it would probably be – uh, Terry Funk versus Ric Flair from the Great American Bash '89, not the I Quit match, but the match that preceded that, uh, because that was that was the feud and the in the sort of the angle that really made me a lifelong fan. I was a fan before then, as even as a kid, but that was like it that 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 completely guaranteed that I was never going to fall out of love with wrestling. And uh, you know, which let's be honest, most people do. They go through their phase and they're done after by the time they get to maybe middle school or maybe early high school right. and it's over. Uh, for me, that was like completely cemented it. Um, so that's kind of the one I always fall back on. But there are, are things that are like that's for a lot of people that's considered a classic match. I mean, mm-hmm. there are there are matches that are much more random that I have sort of this crazy, crazy love for that. I, I, I just can't, uh, can't shake. I mean, I'll give like to take one example. There's an ECW fan cam match, uh, from 1996, which features JT Smith and little Guido versus, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, uh, still doing the stuttering gimmick and spike Dudley. And that's probably one of my 10 favorite matches of all time. Really? <laughs> so yes, I mean, I absolutely love that match. Sometimes you like what you like. And I think, uh, especially in this year, because you mentioned the, uh, the match of the year polling that voices of wrestling is doing the top 10. It is a wide open year to the point where all the ballots, I believe they've received so far have all different number ones and 
out of I think five or six ballots, there's 39 matches represented. It's really a wide open year. Oh, it's wide open. I mean, I I do believe, and and, and Joe and Rich talked about this uh, on a on a recent uh, episode of the the Voices of Wrestling flagship show pro- podcast. They talked about uh, Joe sort of said that he thinks. If you had to pick a favorite, Suzuki versus AJ Styles from the G1 would be the favorite, and I agree with that. I, I, I in fact, I think they may have undersold it a little bit. If, if I, I would, I would say that will win, uh, but I don't think it's going to run away with it right. either. Uh, I, I think it'll be reasonably close. Um, I think that will win because I think that's the new Japan match that probably has the most universal support, even among people who aren't super high on new Japan. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's probably the favorite. And I, I can't knock anybody who would vote that match number one because that's one of the matches that's on my, you know, my top 25-ish that I've been toying with for yeah. the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, but it is wide open. I mean, even having said that, even having sort of picked what I think is the favorite, it wouldn't shock me to see five or six or, you know, other matches as the possible, you know, winner when this is all said and done. I think you're right at that because I think so many people are going into that match thinking, you know, this is the one, but the fact that I think only one person right now out of the six, and of course this is a small sample has had that number one, there could be something else that sneaks in there. You might have a lot of people uh, voting, you know, for a surprise candidate. Although at the same time, if, uh, if all these people are picking styles and Suzuki, maybe in their top five, and we have such a yep. wide array of other matches, it might win without getting the most first place votes, if that makes sense. And I think that's, I actually think that's very likely to happen. I mean, I, I'm somebody who's, you know, being the list geek, yeah. I'm somebody who's been involved in all sorts of list processes and projects over the last 10 years or really even longer. Uh, my internet geekery as a wrestling fan goes back literally 20 years at this point, which is kind of scary. But it, I, honestly, I, I think, um, if I had to bet, I think that is what's going to happen. I think it will perhaps receive not as many first plate votes, but I think it will be on, I'd say, probably 75 or 80% of the ballots. And that, that will, will be enough to, to get it to win. But, again, you know, it's not like last year. I think last year uh, the invasion attack match with Okada and Tanahashi, which is a match I wasn't even that high on, to be perfectly honest, I, I, I think that match kind of – it's sh- people sort of knew that, that there was a good chance that was going to win. Um, I, this definitely feels like it's at least possible that something totally, maybe not totally off the radar, but much less thought of anyway, could sort of sneak out and emerge. And I think there's, you know, what's interesting too, is that I think there's matches from a couple of different places. It's not just new Japan competing against new Japan, which mm-hmm. is, you know, sort of how it was last year in some ways. I think, you know, Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero has a reasonable chance because that's the Lucha match people have sort of latched on that even non-Lucha fans have really enjoyed. I think there's some WWE matches that have a chance. So there's there's some chances. There's some matches that uh, really could pop out and win this thing that maybe don't even immediately come to mind for some voters. Well, let's get into that because we've talked on a broad scale so far about the match of the year, but let's get into some specific matches out there. And let's start with... Uh... Let's start with WWE, why not? Uh, a match that I was really high on this year was Brock Lesnar and John Cena from SummerSlam, which uh, I believe has kind of made it into your, maybe your top 25 of ones to consider, but somehow I doubt that's going to be in your top 10 when the day comes. It's got a shot. You know, I mean, it, you know, here's the thing about that match. It's unique. Mm-hmm. 
And when you when you start looking at matches this year, I think especially where there isn't a clear like this is obviously the number one or even this is obviously one, two and three, which some years there's like three matches that sort of distinguish themselves. And then you're sort of separating the rest. Yeah, I, I think this year a match that stands out is really unique, has a has is at a huge advantage. And that match is about as unique a match as you're going to see, especially in WWE. Because uh, they don't do things like that. For a main event, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they don't do things like that. And, it, you know, um, I was not as high on it as some people. Uh, I think Rich Krejci, uh gave it five stars, for example. Yes, he did. Uh, you know. uh, but it was a completely different feeling thing. And much like their first match, uh, to be honest, back at Extreme Rules in 2011, it had that, it was like, oh, this is not, they don't ever do stuff like this. Yeah. And uh, when, I, when I start talking about these matches, some of these others that we'll probably get to, that is sort of the prevailing trend among a lot of these matches that have ended up on this 25 for me. So it, I'd be a liar if I said that that was one of the matches I felt super strongly about, but I could see that squeezing on maybe to my you know last couple of spots. I feel it going into my top 10 for sure because it's a match that I'm – I think in the minority on that I'm still as high on it now as I was at the time because that was really a match where it was an in-the-moment type thing because I, the whole time I'm expecting the John Cena comeback and I'm not expecting a squash match in the SummerSlam main event and then it happens. Uh, I, I think that'll stick in there for me, but I don't see a lot of long-term support from uh, from most of the voters, but you never know. We might be surprised. Um, I, I wanted to get into some of your uh, independent U.S. Uh, matches here because I'm noticing a theme with some of the matches that you're ranking pretty highly. And that theme is that most of them involve someone by the name of Timothy Thatcher, who, if you are a follower of Dylan's at Dylan Waco, you know, he is high on this man. Tell us your support for Timothy Thatcher. I I think, you know, to me, there are, there are a handful of guys that you could make a case for being the best in ring wrestler in 2014. I don't think there's a whole lot of them. I think there's maybe at most five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I agree with that. For, for, for me personally, anyway. Um, and to me, Thatcher's one of them. Uh, you, you know, uh, the big knock against him, I think, for a lot of people is that he's not a super charismatic guy. Um, I've seen some people, you know, sort of paint him as being this super dry wrestler. I don't see that at all. I actually think he's a quite the opposite, mm-hmm. but whatever. Um, what I like about him is that he's a throwback guy, you know, and he, he, he wrestles a heavily map based style. If you're not a fan of Matt wrestling, you're not going to like him. I'll say that flat out out of the gate. Um, but he works very tight. He works very snug. I think his matches have excellent psychology. And I think if you look at the matches that I've sort of thrown into the, the, the pool of matches I'm considering, uh, his match versus Jonathan Gresham from beyond, uh, which is sort of a, worked as like a big man versus a little man match, uh, but with limb work psychology thrown in. His his match versus Drew Gulak from FIP in March, which is an excellent match, just an outstanding match between two very good uh, uh, grapplers. And uh, his, his match uh, versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, from Evolve, which is sort of a, a faster-paced, more work rate-ish version of maybe what he was doing with Drew Gulak. There's some variance there. But what you see in each in each instance is matches that build very, very well to logical 
finishes Mm -hmm. that were teased throughout. And that's something that I have consistently been a big fan of and for really my whole life as a wrestling fan. And, uh, you know, Thatcher's somebody that really jumps off the page to me this year. He's got other matches that I consider just below that. He's got a Biff Busick match that I think is just below that threshold, for example. So, you know, he's a guy who I think had an outstanding year. Uh, He did not make tape a ton, but he made tape enough. And I, I would, you know, he's, he will have at least one match in my top 10. Uh, I, you know, to me, I, I can't make promises about what is and what, what will and won't, won't make the cut, but there will be at least one uh, match from Timothy Satchery in my top 10 for sure. Because a guy like that, I, I would feel, I would feel dirty, not including at least one of his matches. Sure. No, I got it. Um, a little off topic just because, uh, it just came to me and I, I see on Twitter all the time, your support for this guy also. Um, and it's interesting to me because I know him and he's from the same area I am. And we've done, you know, back when I was refereeing the Indies, I did shows weekly with this man, but Congo Kong, you're a big fan of, can you explain your love with, uh, your like for Congo Kong? Uh, you know, Awesome big man wrestler in an era where there were very few even good big man wrestlers. Yeah, I, like I'm a. That's another thing I'm a lifelong mark for. You know, uh, some of my fa- like the big guys who are agile, but they don't. It's not like he's out there doing things he shouldn't be doing as a big guy. That's right. Like yeah. when 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 he does something that involves like movement or like a big spot. It's because he's using his weight to squash someone like a bug, not to prove that he's a good athlete. And, uh, you know, uh, his match with Danny Cannon from IWA Mid-South, you know, this year is a really, really good match. Not not good enough to make my top 25-ish, let alone my top 10, uh, but a very, very good match. And a match that if somebody had it in their top 10, I actually wouldn't think was that crazy because I think it does. It's another one of those matches that uses the big big guy versus little guy psychology very, very effectively. Uh, But, yeah. Uh, he's just he's an, he's kind of a throwback like Timothy Thatcher. He's a throwback to a, a different era, but it has he has a modern spin on it. He's not totally antiquated in what he's doing. And um, I think he, he I, I really wish that guys like that. Were more um, we saw more of them in independent wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think we've got too many guys over the last 10 years. We've had way too many guys who wear kick pads and like the dynamite kid a lot when they were growing up right. like i like I, there's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying all those guys have been bad i don't but you know it's funny we hear all the time wwe got criticized for years about how they had this you know factory mill churning out look-alike wrestlers who had the same body type the same look the same whatever well independent wrestling was just as guilty of that during mm-hmm. the exact same time frame yes and I, I it makes me happy that I think they're breaking out of that a little bit. And I hope that continues. And I hope guys like Kong and Thatcher and some of these other guys get breaks or at least get more visibility in 2015. Yeah, Kong is a a funny one because he used to be, back when he was working as Osiris, as the happy-go-lucky baby face big guy, <laughs> he was doing exactly what you just uh, you know, were talking about. He was doing the uh, the athletic big man moves. He was going off the top rope. His finisher was actually a top rope move back in the day. Um, so it's good that he's finally found himself in that regard and is, uh, is working how he looks because it, yes, it seems to be that, working. That's an important part of wrestling. Yes. Where if you've got a good look and, and a unique and distinct look, working to that look is an important part of wrestling. Being a great athlete is wonderful. And, and I don't think anybody would say that it may, well, 
maybe one or two people might say that it hampers you, but I, I don't think the majority of people would say that it hampers your ability to be a great wrestler. But I also think it's extremely naive to believe that being a great athlete is the single or, or even most important component of being a great wrestler. I just don't think that's true at all. I think it's a facet and, but knowing how to use that athleticism is far more important than just knowing, you know, physically being able of doing uh, capable of doing a flip. Right. <laughs> I don't think that matters that much. What about, excuse me, um, what about the, uh, the New Japan candidates? You mentioned the New Japan candidates and how it's not really an all New Japan year this year. And I would agree. I think there's going to be a lot of people who vote for matches from other companies. Am I, am I crazy here for enjoying the Tomohiro Ishii versus Tomoaki Hanma match from July better than the AJ Styles Minoru Suzuki. Am I insane for that? No, I don't think so. I think those are great matches. I, I think I think Ishii and and Honma had two great matches. You know, I think they're 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 uh, ne the never title match mm -hmm. and the match from the G1 are both matches that I have in my sort of my 25 that I'm toying with right now. You know, those guys complement each other very well. Mm -hmm. They're sort of similar figures in the sense that you know, Ishii was the was the sort of underdog that ever the lovable underdog fighting spirit guy who never quite got there. And then this year he sort of got there and Homa is sort of taking his place as the as the as, as what Ishii was in a way. I mean, with some variance there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, um, I just love that match uh, in July. I, I haven't uh, seen the May match since it happened. But I remember thinking the G1 match, I'm like, okay, they did everything here plus more, and the crowd was super into it. And then you had the AJ Styles Minoru Suzuki, which is getting a ton of praise. And as we talked about earlier, a lot of people's number one match this year. It, is it interesting seeing all the love for this match, even with all of the, uh, I mean, you had guys interfering in this match, you had work on the outside. There was a little sloppiness, but the sloppiness kind of played into the match a little bit. Are you surprised that match is being praised so highly for all the, uh, for lack of a better term, junk that was involved? No, for two reasons. The first reason is that I think people feared much worse. I okay. think I think the interference actually helps the match. Yeah. Because the Bullet Club stuff has been criticized all year as you know for oh we don't want this in our wrestling, particularly the the you know the Okada AJ feud. And I think when that initially happened, the thought was this is going to ruin the match. And instead, it was just sort of used as a decoy, as a false finish. Right. So I think in a way that actually helped the match. It was like the ref bump in the in the famous Nick Bockwinkel versus Kurt Hennig draw from the from the, the showboat in the AWA back in 86. You know, everybody expected that to be the finish, and then it wasn't. Um, I I uh, so for, in that sense, I think it 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 didn't matter. And the other and the other thing is. It, and the reason this doesn't really surprise me is Suzuki is so good at the little things in wrestling. And when he puts it all together and has one of those performances where he has a big picture, great match that also features a lot of the little things like the facial expressions and the body language and the timing of certain things that other really good talents, frankly, just don't have that mastery of, I think, it you know it really brings a what may have been a great match to the next level, so I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, this very well could be my number one. You know, I, I'm not going to lie that I, I thought it was an absolutely outstanding match. Um, 
with very very little flaw at all to it uh you know the 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 bit with the gun to the head and the counter to that i mean i thought that was like a really awesome awesome moment and that's the kind of thing that stands out later and then being in front of that curricane hall crowd and you know i mean i i had i would have absolutely no problem with that winning when i mentioned it earlier I, i i i hope it didn't come across like i was sort of uh, suggesting I would have a problem with oh, it, not at you all, know, no. because it, that would have, it wouldn't bother me at all. But by the same token, like you said, you know, <laughs> Homa has probably three or four matches this year that I would not have a problem winning this thing. Right. <laughs> Ishii probably has three or four matches this year that I wouldn't have a problem winning this thing. So there's a lot of stuff out of new Japan. You know, I'm, I've been, I've, a lot of people think I'm, um, un, unfair to New Japan because I don't praise it the way other people do in an unqualified fashion. But when they do things that I think are great, I have no problem saying they're great. And they had a lot of great matches this year. Let's talk about some uh, Lucha candidates that are in this uh, in this field for match of the year. I think Lucha is one that uh, doesn't get a lot of eyes uh, to it. And I don't really know why that is because of its you know, location to us or whether it's just not the popular thing or, you know, if Spanish is that much of a barrier versus Japanese, I don't know. But uh, the Lucha matches in here, what are your top candidates out of the Lucha field for a match of the year? Oh, boy. Uh, well, you know, Atlantis and Ultimo Guerrero, I think, is probably it, it. I think it has a reasonable chance of winning this thing. Like I said earlier, I, I really do think that it's on the radar as a match that could theoretically win the entire thing because it was such a hot, dramatic thing, you know, mass versus match. Mm-hmm biggest show of the year built to over the course of two years, really longer than that. Um, so, and, and it seems to be resonating with fans who are not really necessarily the biggest Lucha fan. I mean, Jeff Hawkins uh, on your last show said that that would be his, his pick for non WWE match of the year. He did. That's yes. just, that's just one example, you know, just, and I don't, Jeff's to far in my knowledge, not exactly a huge Lucha guy. So that, that is telling in and of itself. Um, but I think that's almost too easy of a pick. I, I, you know, not to say that that could not be my number one because it could, but there's other stuff that went on this year that I think really deserves being mentioned. And sort of in the vein of Timothy Thatcher, you know, there's two guys in, in Mexico this year, Cavernario and Hechicero, who had really excellent years and had a variety of uh, good to great matches. And I think each one of those guys have a couple matches that uh, really merit discussing, uh, you know, from a singles perspective with, with Cavernario, I would argue that his, his best matches were, uh, the, the match also from the 81st, uh, anniversary show, CMLL versus Ray Kamada, which is a hair versus hair and a kind of a crazy, it is a very much, very much a spot fest match, but it's a stakes match and really exciting and really dynamic. And, and, uh, I thought at the time that it was actually a better in ring match than Ultimo Guerrero versus Atlantis was. And also the the finals of the uh, the uh, rookie tournament, the Inbusca Un Idalo or whatever it is, I always butcher the pronunciations despite all the lucha I watch uh, tournament, which was Cavernario versus Hechicero. You know that <laughs> if you watch that whole tournament, which I would encourage people to watch tons of it, it's easy to find online and it's a it, it's ext- extremely fun, easy to absorb, ten minute matches, they're not long. If you watch that whole tournament, the, that the final, I think, is amazing, and I've told this story before, but I watched that final live on my phone walking home from work, and I was, like, cheering along as I'm walking it, bumping into cars, like, stumbling into ditches because I'm not paying attention to where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it just totally 
had me captivated from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And then also as part of that tournament, you know, I think it's worth mentioning the, the trios match from uh, the beginning into that, that, which was in May, I believe May 23rd, yes, sir. which, which was uh virus, uh, teaming with Hechicero and Kachoro versus uh, Negrocasius, uh, Cavernario, and Dragon Lee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the best trios match of the year in Mexico this year. You've got four of these great young talents coming into CMLL, teaming with probably the two best veterans in CMLL, and they had a hell of a match there. So that CMLL had a lot of stuff involving really all those guys that was excellent. And, you know, again, I can't tell you which one of those matches will rate, but Hechicero and Kevin Ario will have at least one match in my top 10. It's kind of the same thing as Thatcher. I'm not leaving those guys out in the cold, no matter what. We talked about, you know, uh, 25 different matches here today. A lot of good information, of course, as we uh, continue to work on these ballots. Are you going to turn your uh, match of the year ballot in at the last minute? Is this something you're going down to the wire thinking about? I will watch every single thing I can before I turn it in. That's just how I am. I'm very much a completist when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, I will, you know, last year I turned in my ballot and like uh, two days after my ballot, the ballot was turned in, Mm -hmm. which I believe I still turned in on last day. There was a traditional championship wrestling released a a show with Vordell Walker versus Sigmund Ironman match that probably would have made my top 10. I mean, it probably would have been number 10. But yeah. still, I was like, and I was so pissed because I'm, su- I'm, I'm such a geek. I was like, ah, oh, this would have made my top 10. So <laughs> I, I will wait to squeeze every single thing in that I possibly can. Um, and, you know, I'm going to rewatch some stuff, which I've already done a little bit of already. And I'll, you know, I'll consider anything that I, I may have missed that uh, that people think I, I should at least give a shot to. Um, but I watch a lot of stuff. It, it would have to be pretty pretty obscure for me to have outright missed it, I think. But, but, you know, I'll rewatch things. I'll reconsider things. And you know, this, this is fun. And yeah. I just hope people pay attention to some of these, you know, get, just give this stuff a chance, give stuff like uh, the Briscoes versus the Hardys from Omega, for example, give a match like that a chance. It, it, it's on, it's online, easy to find really great. You know, uh, give some of these lesser known things that maybe don't jump off a chance. Maybe they won't finish in your top 10, but it's not like you're going to w- waste your time watching a great match. <laughs> it's, the, still, it's still going to be good. Yeah. The whole idea behind, you know, the Voices of Wrestling does this not only to celebrate the best matches of the year, but also to get all those matches out in one timely piece. So if you want to know what kind of good wrestling is out there that you're not used to, you can go and look for it. If you're maybe only a WWE fan, you can go and seek out some of the Japanese or Lucha matches. If you're only a Japanese fan, you can go seek out some U.S. indie matches. And the whole reason this is done, in part, I guess, not really the whole reason, but in part is to get everything out there to a larger audience. Absolutely. I think that's a completely, I I believe Rich and Joe would both say the same thing. And I've said this before. I said this last year, and there's been some controversy on Twitter uh, today as we're recording this over this, some, some typical uh, tw- tw- Twitter battles, Twitter wars. But I, I'll say I'll go on record saying this again. I think this is a much more legitimate process than the Wrestling Observer newsletter process, which is not a knock on that. I vote in that, too. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody who votes in this will watch everything, but the reason I think it's more legitimate is you don't have troll voters or you have or at the very least you have fewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have people spamming votes. Uh, and in theory, at least because of how this system is set up, you have people voting who watch more than just WWE. 
So you have a variance of opinion. You have a, you know, I, I think this is a, is it perfect? No system is perfect. I don't care who you are. There's always little tweaks you could make that would maybe make things a little bit better, a little bit worse, depending. But I think the way this is done is, uh, worthwhile and valuable and it yields interesting results and we've got the blurbs that will be coming when the articles are written up so that we can explain why we think masters were good and and that's a big part of it too so this is a this is a great thing you know i mean anybody who knows me knows i don't agree with with joe and rich (laughs) a lot of the time Mm -hmm. we don't agree i mean hell i don't agree with you and jeff a lot of the time i listened to the 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 award show you guys just did earlier today and i was thinking geez how dare you i don't agree with any of these how dare you other other than stephanie mcmahon we mutually love her rob that's That's right you know we got to convert jeff i don't know how it's gonna happen but (laughs) uh the wrestling culture podcast do you have any episodes coming up on that we are hoping to do actually a couple in the next, I'm going to say two weeks. We will do our, our big year-end show, which is one of our more popular shows every year, where we'll kind of talk some of the same stuff we just talked. We'll talk match of the year. We'll talk wrestler of the year. We'll, we'll talk uh, promotion of the year, you know, sort of underrated, under-the-radar moments in wrestlers of the year. Uh, and then we may do another show shortly thereafter, which I don't want to go too much into the details of because I don't think it's been finalized. But... Uh, yeah, you should. We should have at least, I'd say, two wrestling cultures minimum by January the fifteenth at the latest, at the absolute latest. Uh, we're not on a strict schedule, and uh, I've had a lot of craziness going on, and so has Dave. But uh, we'll 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 squeeze two in within the next two weeks or so. Dylan Hales, wrestling culture. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rob. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.